0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Tonight, massive cell service outage. Some
2: of our customers are experiencing wireless service interruptions this
0: morning. The widespread blackout for America's largest wireless provider. The mystery behind what could have caused the problem for tens of thousands of AT&T users.
3: It was like radio silence from the moment I woke up. I see an SOS. Now I can't even use my
0: GPS, my music.
2: We apologize for this inconvenience.
0: The CBS Evening News starts right now. I'm Nora O'Donnell and thank you for being with us. We want to begin tonight with that nationwide AT&T outage that left a lot of people scratching their heads wondering what is going on and leading to confusion and concern about the ability to dial 911, the ripple effect inundating emergency centers from New York to Los Angeles. AT&T tonight is apologizing, but they are not explaining what happened. The FBI, the FCC and the Department of Homeland Security are now investigating the cause. And the White House says there is no evidence that a malicious attack was behind the network shutdown. But there are still so many questions, the outage also highlighting concerns about how the lack of communications could impact us all in a real emergency and renewing concerns about cyber security in the U.S. The top Republican on the Senate Intelligence Committee tonight has a dire warning saying a Chinese cyber attack will be 100 times worse. Here, CBS's senior business and technology correspondent Jolene Kent. A rude awakening for tens of thousands of AT&T customers.
4: I woke up this morning, turned on my phone, and uh, no internet.
3: Check my phone, it's like, what's going on? I don't even, I see an SOS. Now I can't even use my GPS, my music, call my wife, tell her where I'm going to be.
5: From Chicago to Dallas, Boston to Los Angeles, more than 74,000 users reported widespread problems.
2: So on a personal level, um, it was, it was definitely confusing and uncomfortable, but it wasn't the end of the world.
5: Late today, AT&T apologized to customers and said service had been fully restored. Nearly three quarters of adults live in households without a landline. So losing cell service in a disaster can cripple communications. That was the case in the Maui wildfires. But today's outage inundated emergency call centers with people dialing them up to test their phones. Massachusetts State Police posting that many 911 centers were flooded with calls. And in San Francisco? Please don't. Call 911 to verify if your phone works, if you don't have an emergency. The FBI is in contact with AT&T, and the FCC is actively investigating. The National Security Council says there's no reason to think that this was a cybersecurity incident. Does this incident worry you about the future? I always worry about our dependency on technology. I think it's also a good wake-up call and just a reminder that we can't depend 100% all the time on the technology that we depend on 100% of the time. In case of emergency during an outage, experts recommend using the emergency call or text function on your phone or go find Wi-Fi to make a call. You always want to have an emergency list as well of your neighbors and your family and friends. And at a total last resort, experts say you can always go in person to your local fire or police department.
0: Nora. That's good advice. Jillian Kent, thank you so much. There is more fallout tonight from that controversial Supreme Court ruling in Alabama giving embryos the same rights as children. Two fertility clinics in two of the largest cities in the state paused IVF treatments today over the potential legal risks, bringing the total in the state to at least three. We get details now from CBS's Caitlin Huey Burns. Tonight, Gabby Goydell and her husband, Spencer, say they're in a
2: state of desperation, leaving their home in Alabama and rushing to catch a flight to Texas, where she'll now have to continue her IVF treatment.
1: Our clinic called us this morning and let us know that they are... Um No longer going to be providing services or doing any transfers.
2: Goidel was halfway through her IVF cycle. I
1: just kind of broke down into tears and then we had to suck it up and start making a game plan. because it is such a time-sensitive issue.
2: Goidel's provider, Alabama Fertility, was one of two clinics in the state that paused IVF treatment today. Writing in a social media post, we are working as hard as we can to alert our legislators as to the far-reaching negative impact of this ruling on the women of Alabama. And the other clinic, Mobile Infirmary, said, we understand the burden this places on deserving families who have no alternative options for conceiving. In Michigan today, Vice President Kamala Harris addressed the issue during the White House's Fight for Reproductive Freedoms tour.
6: The access to reproductive health care through IVF is being
2: taken from countless individuals and families. And on the presidential campaign trail, after Nikki Haley said in an interview yesterday embryos are babies, she clarified her position. I didn't say that I agreed with the Alabama ruling. I do think that if you look in the definition, an embryo is considered an unborn baby. A Republican state senator in Alabama is planning to file a bill that he says could add protections for IVF because it would clarify that embryos are not viable until they are transferred into the uterus. But Nora, reproductive rights advocates say that is not a solution.
0: We're going to be following this story. Caitlin Huey Burns, thank you so much. Now to some breaking news. The Justice Department just unsealed charges against four foreign nationals for their alleged part in an operation that left two Navy SEALs dead. CBS's David Martin is at the Pentagon with the latest
4: news. The four were arrested after Navy SEALs boarded this vessel off the coast of Somalia and found missile parts, including a warhead the U.S. says were being smuggled from Iran to the Houthis in Yemen. Two Navy SEALs, Petty Officers Chris Chambers and Gage Ingram, were lost at sea while attempting to board in rough seas. The boarding occurred last month on the same date the U.S. and Britain launched its first round of strikes against Houthi targets in Yemen, strikes which have yet to put an end to attacks against commercial shipping.
7: We've certainly seen in the past... 4872 hours, um, an increase in attacks from the Houthis.
4: The criminal complaint unsealed today says the four suspects carried Pakistani identification cards and that the alleged captain of the crew had a satellite phone on which he communicated with a member of Iran's Revolutionary Guards. After the vessel was searched and its cargo of missile parts discovered, the crew was taken aboard the USS Puller and transferred to jail in Richmond, Virginia four charged with crimes, and eight others held as material witnesses. The U.S. Coast Guard has since intercepted another ship carrying arms to Yemen.
7: We know that the Houthis maintain a large arsenal. Um, they are very capable. They have sophisticated weapons, and that's because they continue to get them from Iran.
4: The U.S. military is conducting its own investigation into the boarding, which resulted in the loss of those Two Navy SEALs to determine, among other things, if it should have been attempted in such rough seas. Nora,
0: David Martin, with that breaking news. Thank you. President Biden today met with the widow and daughter of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny, who died last week in prison under mysterious circumstances. It comes as Russian authorities are pressuring Navalny's mother to agree to a secret burial of his body without mourners. CBS's Nancy Cordes is traveling with the president in California.
7: The pictures show President Biden embracing and sitting with Alexei Navalny's widow and daughter in a San Francisco hotel room one week after Navalny's suspicious death in a Russian penal colony.
4: He was a man of incredible courage. And it's amazing how his wife and daughter are, are, are emulating that.
7: Navalny's daughter, Dasha, is a student at nearby Stanford University. Her mother flew to California to comfort her after meeting with European leaders and vowing to carry on her husband's work. By killing Alexei, Putin killed half of me, she said. In Russia, Navalny's mother said today that she had finally been taken to a morgue to see the body. She was told he died of natural causes and said that she was being pressured to hold a private burial ceremony as Russian police try to head off more protests over his death. They want it done secretly, she said. I don't agree with that. A defiant Putin flexed his muscle today, flying on a nuclear-capable strategic bomber, even as the U.S. and its allies prepare to unveil new sanctions tomorrow, aimed at hobbling his military. At a California fundraiser last night, President Biden called Putin a, quote, crazy SOB. President Biden, Putin shrugged it off in an interview with state TV. We understand what is happening there from a domestic political point of view, he said, and this reaction is absolutely adequate. Tonight, we are getting a better sense of the scope of the sanctions President Biden is set to announce tomorrow. CBS News has learned that these sanctions will target nearly 600 banks, companies and individuals both inside and outside Russia. Nora.
0: Very severe sanctions. Nancy, also want to ask you about these new developments in the case of that ex-FBI informant who lied to investigators about Hunter Biden. What do we know tonight?
7: That's right. Alexander Smirnov, who was just freed on bond two days ago, has been rearrested in Las Vegas. Federal prosecutors considered him a flight risk. They wanted him detained in court documents. They said that he has been, quote, actively peddling new lies that could impact U.S. elections. And they said, Nora, that he had met with Russian intelligence contacts as recently as November.
0: Nancy Cordes, thank you very much. Now to a terrifying attack on board an Alaska Airlines flight. Federal authorities have charged a man with assault with a dangerous weapon after he allegedly stabbed another passenger during a flight between Seattle and Las Vegas last month. CBS's Carter Evans reports this is just the latest in a series of mid-flight incidents in recent weeks.
8: It happened on an Alaska Airlines flight on approach to Las Vegas in January. Investigators say Julio Alvarez Lopez bound pens together with rubber bands before the flight and used a makeshift weapon to stab the man sitting across the aisle. Photos show the victim with cuts and bruises. A federal grand jury indicted Lopez Wednesday. Court documents say he planned on attacking and killing the man and felt the mafia had been chasing him. Sam Vinograd is a CBS contributor.
0: Based upon just the sheer number of incidents we've been seeing over the past few years is that we really do need a new
8: approach to airline safety. Just this week, passengers had to forcibly restrain a man who allegedly tried to open the door on this American Airlines flight to Chicago.
3: He was saying, like, I got to get off this plane. Get me
8: off this plane. Passengers also helped break up a fist fight on this Southwest flight to Hawaii earlier this month.
0: TSA continually tries to think about how the threat environment is evolving. But what's clear is that we're behind
1: the curve.
8: Now, even though these unruly passenger incidents seem to be increasing in intensity, the number of them is actually on the decline since a peak in 2021. But I want to put it all into context for you. The numbers we are seeing these days are still double what we saw before the pandemic. Nora.
9: Important
0: context. Carter Evans, thank you so much. A U.S. Army doctor will be arraigned in Washington state tomorrow for what could be one of the largest sexual assault prosecutions in the Army's history. CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti has our investigation, including exclusive interviews with two of the accusers
9: taped interviews made by the Army's Criminal Investigation Division and obtained by CBS News detailed disturbing accounts.
1: He said, Now I need you to drop trial." When I'm
4: thinking to myself, like, what the hell is this for? And I'm here for my neck.
9: They say they're survivors of sex crimes at the hands of their doctor, Major Michael Stockin, a pain management anesthesiologist at Joint Base Lewis-McChord in Washington State. Charging documents obtained by CBS News show Stockton faces more than 50 counts of sexual misconduct while treating 42 patients, all of the men. Being in the military at the time for 19 years, I trusted the medical doctor I was seeing. I trusted Dr. Stockton. We sat down with two of Stockton's accusers who are sharing their stories publicly for the first time. They asked to speak anonymously out of fear of retaliation.
3: I knew something wasn't right after the first interaction
9: The first procedure I had with him. Dr. Stockton, he was face level with my groin um, and he started touching my my genitals. You went in for a long-standing chronic issue of shoulder pain. What is a doctor doing inspecting you in an area down there near your groin? Exactly. I was was very confused. Both men, now retired from the Army, completed three combat tours. In the military, there's a term to put what happens to you inside your duffel bag, shove it down, and and continue to march on. Mm. So I was willing to do that. I was willing to shove it into my duffel bag and march on. The Army told CBS News the investigation remains open. I
3: think there are victims out there that
9: might not even know they're victims. The scale of the case is historic for the military, according to their attorney, Ryan. Guilt. How many potential victims are we talking about? Hundreds. Hundreds. I'm I'm convinced it's hundreds. In a statement to CBS News, Stockton's lawyer stated he is presumed innocent, adding this legal fight is just getting started. Jonathan Vigliotti, CBS News, Los Angeles.
0: A popular former talk show host is diagnosed with the same form of dementia as Bruce Willis. That's next. Former talk show host Wendy Williams has been diagnosed with a form of dementia as well as aphasia, her team announced today. The 59-year-old went through tests last year after her memory started to fail and she began to lose words. Actor Bruce Willis suffers from the same issues and an estimated 2 million people in the U.S. have the disease. Breaking news from the moon, that's next. Nearly 55 years after Neil Armstrong took one small step for man, a private U.S. company has taken one giant leap for mankind's future of space exploration. CBS's Mark Strassman reports on today's historic moon landing.
3: Tonight, the Odyssey of Odysseus has ended on the moon, the first American-made spacecraft kicking up lunar dust in more than a half century.
7: As Our equipment is on the surface of the moon.
3: Jubilant. Mission Control of Intuitive Machines in Houston, the first commercial moon landing ever. (laughs) The final descent from 18 miles above the lunar surface, a continuous engine burn for 10 minutes. By touchdown, Odysseus had slowed to 2 miles per hour. This is the assembly room. Intuitive co-founder Steve Altima showed us the historic Moonlander up close last year in Houston. His company envisions a $100 billion lunar market. We're delivering scientific payloads, engineering demonstration payloads, but not the humans themselves. And you believe the moon is the next economic frontier? The moon is certainly that next step for space exploration. Odysseus landed near the lunar south pole carrying less than 300 pounds of cargo including six instruments for NASA, an intuitive customer. The space agency hopes to have astronauts moonwalking there by the end of the decade. Some craters there never see light. So cold, they may contain ice. And water is critical to long-term space exploration.
4: NASA plans to basically hire these companies to send payloads to the moon like, like you'd call an Uber or a Lyft. But these companies have to make it work first, and that's what we're seeing today.
3: Not since the end of the Apollo era has an American lander parked itself on the surface of the moon. This mission will last roughly a week until lunar night freezes the solar batteries. Quite an achievement, Nora.
0: Yeah, really, really exciting. Mark Strassman, thank you so much. Heart of America is next with a look at the woman who made history in Barbie World and beyond. Finally, tonight's Heart of America, and in honor of Black History Month, we introduce you to the woman who created the first black Barbie more than 40 years ago. CBS's Elise Preston now on the doll's lasting impact on girls and women around the
6: world. A big curly fro, bold gold jewelry, and a bright red dress looks dynamite on this brown-skinned Barbie. Everything that Barbie was, I wanted black Barbie to be the opposite. Kitty Black Perkins, now 76, designed Mattel's first black Barbie, which debuted in 1980 after calls from doll collectors. They were asking for more, more black dolls. In the 60s and 70s, the only diverse dolls in Barbie's world were sidekicks. She's a little bit shapelier. But this doll, made more in the image of black women, would bear the marquee name. I wanted her also to be able to do the same things that the white doll did. But just add a little bit more spice. Just a dash. Just a dash. Perkins, Mattel's first black designer, grew up in the Jim Crow South. Did you have any black dolls growing up? I did not. And I would actually color the skin of the paper dolls. Why? Because I wanted them to look like me. Kansas mom, Sonia Larson, collects black Barbies. People don't understand that being able to see yourself in a doll, it's it's everything. Perkins retired from Mattel as chief Barbie designer. Today, Barbie is more inclusive than ever and taking over Hollywood. But for Perkins, Black Barbie was the mold to break the mold. Elise Preston, CBS News, Los Angeles. Kitty Black Perkins, tonight's Heart
0: of America And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Good night. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey.
1: Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset. Cinderella, Bracket Buster, Sleeper. We've got it all covered every round. Reaction shows all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Ion College Basketball Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.